Hello, and welcome to the Pursuit City Church podcast. Our mission is to lead people to know the love of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will feel encouraged as well as challenged through the Word of God. If you need prayer or want to share your story, please send an email to info at PursuitCC.com. Get ready to enjoy this message. God bless. Excited about this. I've been praying about this for months, um, about this day, about... I was actually sitting over here when God started ministering to me about this, this very message. And I'll get into that a little bit later. But I love magic. I really, I really love magic. I grew up in a family that my brother Kim, yes, my brother Kim, was a magician. He did it professionally for, for many years. Um, I seen him one time on the gong show. Does anybody remember the gong show from the 70s? I seen him on the gong show as a juggler one time. And I was just a little kid. He was much older than me. And I thought, if my brother Kim can juggle, I can juggle. So I went and locked myself in the bathroom that day. And I did not come out of that bathroom until I learned to juggle. And I did. And one day I learned to juggle. Just a little kid. Anyways, he went on. He, he did a lot of different things throughout his life. But his, he, his life ended tragically on his way to Dallas one day to do a magic show. He, his whole focus was drug awareness, uh, ministering to kids, teaching kids about just say no. My brother Scott was a magician also, um, not quite as good as Kim, he didn't, never did it professionally, but he still did magic. And I never really, I mean, I learned a lot of tricks, obviously, I, I can still do some tricks, but my problem was, is I love to show people how the trick's done. It's like, Mark, don't tell anybody how this trick's done, and I'd show them so they'd stop telling me. So anyways, that was my, that was my thing. I want to show you a real quick trick right here, real fast. You guys might know this trick really already, but I want to show it to you. Which one's bigger? The blue one. The same. Blue one's bigger? The same? It is an optical illusion. It's made to look like the blue one's bigger, but if you switch them around, then the red one looks bigger or whatever. So, but it is a trick. I'm going to give this away. So, I'm going to give this to you. So, I tricked you again. That's a gospel track right there. So, <laughs> we're going to be using those this, this weekend. But anyways, I want to expose some magic today. Um, some, not magic, I want to expose some tricks today. Um, very powerful tricks. Let's go in our Bible first to Romans chapter 10, verses number 12 through 15. A very powerful set of scriptures. Um, all of the book of Romans, I, I study the, I have a Bible study at work where I, I have a Bible study at work where we work at. But anyways, wow, I said that all wrong. We study every morning and we spent months and months in the book of Romans. Such a powerful book, such a powerful, wonderful book. Romans 10:12 says, "For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all who call upon him." Everybody say all. all. He's rich over all who call upon him. Amen. All who call upon him. It doesn't matter who you are. He's rich over all that call upon him. For whosoever, thank you so much, shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
for anybody, any whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. How many whosoever's do we have in here? Oh, that's all all means. All. So I started out here showing you that how great God is, that all who call upon him and whosoever call upon him shall be saved. Then there's a set of questions here. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on um, on and how shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? And how shall they here without a preacher, and how shall they preach except they be sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel and bring glad tidings of good things. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, again for this, this message, Father. I'm asking God that um, I do not add anything to it of my own, of, of my own accord, Father, that everything I say this morning is of you, Father, that if you choose to wipe this message out and have me minister something else or just sit here in prayer and praise to you, Father, I am willing to do whatever you want this morning, Father, for I am yours, Father. I thank you for each one that's here today, Father God. I'm asking God that, that Father, that we receive from you this morning, Father, each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, what a great set of questions. Great verse, like I had already said. But that leads us to John 10.10. 10. Everybody knows John 10.10, 10, right? We all can probably quote that. It tells us why the, what the purpose of the devil is, what he does, and it also tells us God's purpose. John 10.10 10 says this, For the thief cometh not except to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? Plain and simple. That's, why his, that's his purpose. He comes in to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Amen? I'm not sure that he's necessarily talking about this life, but it could be. I'm thinking more spiritual in our, our eternity with him, or both. But that's why he came, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. The thief come to steal, kill, and destroy. Now let's read, let's go to Genesis chapter 3. Now I've read this same set of scriptures. I've only preached here or ministered here a couple of different times. Thank you so much for the water. And I've already read this set of scriptures one time. And I've read this set of scriptures many, many times over the years. But God showed me something. Showed me not to spill water on my message. <laughs> he showed me something. Who was Adam and Eve? First two people, right? They were created and fashioned by God. They, they were perfect. God made them perfect. Without fault, with nothing. I mean, they, I can just see this. Now, this might be a little controversial here because I believe that, that Adam seen God with his own eyes as, as God. He formed him out of the dust of the ground and kind of fashioned him in his likeness and put his mouth over his nostrils and breathe the breath of, breath of life in him, and I can see his body just coming alive. Even though I know that the scripture says no man has ever seen God, um, I, I, I understand that. I'm not here to debate that or talk about that, but I just like to think that, that Adam seen God, amen? 
I know that they, he came down in the cool of the day and they, they were in his presence. Doesn't ever say that he's seen him, but I can just see God there with Adam and Eve and they were perfect, sinless, in the garden. But then something happened. A trick. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3, verse number 3. Now the serpent, we know who this is, Satan, the the serpent of old, was more crafty than any wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? So right off the bat, he's getting her to, to question. So magic is all about deception, getting you to look away just a little bit at the right time or getting you off of focus just a little bit so the, so the magician can slip the trick in. A little bit of sleight of hand, a little bit of distraction, and you can trick just about anybody. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from the tree, your eyes will be opened. Very important. Your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when she saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate. And she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Did you guys see that trick happen in there? I don't know. It's like, so here's the, the most perfect woman ever, fashioned by God, taken from a rib from, the, the, from, the, from Adam, and, and God made woman, put her in the garden. She was perfect, It made in the likeness of God. And all of a sudden, the devil said, hey, your eyes will be opened. And I got her to thinking, what, my eyes aren't open? I'm not seeing everything that God has for me? And then she saw that the fruit was pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. In other words, more like God. I can see how this trick's going to happen. She, wanted to, she loved God. And she wanted to be more like God. So, so Satan came down and says, hey, you, you're not quite like God. Even though she was fashioned in the image of God, Satan slipped in and said, hey, you're not quite like God. You can be more like God. You just got to eat that fruit over there and you'll be more like him. And Bam. I can see that happening. That's a pretty good trick. I want to be, I, I love you, Lord. I love you, God. I want to be more like you. I can just see Eve's heart saying, I, I, I want to be more like him. And that's the same trick. What a deceitful, deceitful trick. That leads us to Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Before, before this, this is, let's read this. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the, the road that leads to destruction, and many there enter through it. 
but small is the gate near the road that leads to life and few that find it. Because of that deceitful trick that is still happening today, still happening today, that deceitful trick of wanting more, many, broad is the way that leads to destruction. Broad is the way, but narrow is the road that leads to life. And we live in this world that's all about me. We live in this world that's, that's just so consumed with self. Pastor preached on it just a couple of months ago on humanism. It's whatever I like. He gets us out of focus. So you all see this rope down here. This is not my um, illustration. It was Francis Chan who did it first, but I've done it so many times now, I'm just going to call it my illusion or my... So this represents the timeline of God, if there is such a thing, eternity. This represents eternity. So here we are in eternity. Let's get down here. Eternity is a long time, right? So here we come. Oh, look at this, this piece of tape right here. You know what this represents? So right here is what I just read in the Bible, Adam and Eve, right here at the beginning of this tape. There's no beginning, no end. Someplace right about here, I put this little dot. Uh, there it is right there, maybe. It's a little, this, that little dot represents you. This represents all of Adam and Eve. All the way here is when the new heaven and new earth, new Jerusalem. This is all of the Bible it talks about. And then eternity. But right here we are, someplace right there. And this is the problem. We live in this, this generation, this world that's all about me. And, and the enemy has focused, caused us to focus on this little bitty dot right here. What, what, what makes me happy? What's pleasing to me? And gets us all out of focus. We're so focused on me, my life, my kingdom, what I'm building, what I'm doing, my work, my job, my abilities. We're so focused on this little tiny dot, and we forget about all of this. We forget about eternity. We forget about all the stuff that God has for us. And here this world is, they're, they're heading toward the cliff, destruction, and here we are, the, the faithful few going the other way, and they're looking at us, calling us crazy. We're looking at them as they run by in hordes, just looking at them run toward the cliff. We know that they're crazy, but they're thinking we're crazy. All I want is more. We sing those songs. It's all about me. No, it's not all about me. It's all about him. We get ourselves out of focus. It's all about him. This, the, the world is lost. They're in sin. They're transitioning. America is transitioning. I'm not talking about transgenders. I'm talking about the world. We are transitioning. We live in such a... And I'm thinking about that road. 150,000 people on average die every day. And that road is full. That's why it's a broad road. That road is full of people running off that cliff. And if there's someone out there that there's, who's going to tell them? 
Who's going to tell them as we're, as we're the faithful field running the, running the other direction, running toward God, watching them go by, watching them go by as we, see, as we see all these people running that way because there's a way that seems right to them. Who is going to tell them? Here's what I see. So when God gave me this message, I began to drive these roads. I mean, I drove all over these, this neighborhood up and down the streets, through the, through the streets. And what I, I stopped and I talked to a few people. I, I asked for a few pictures. I was going to show some pictures up here this morning. I decided against it. I asked them some questions. I seen a need. I seen the need right here in this community. Right here, our neighbors, right, right around this church, I seen a need. I've seen a need in the city. I've seen that the city's, city's hungry. You go, you'll see homeless people all over, and we can talk about that another time. But we see them everywhere. They're hungry. They're in need. I see a nation that once was called a, a Christian nation. Now it's transitioned into a, I don't know what, it's scary. I see a nation that was once led when the pilgrims got off the, the Mayflower, they made the Mayflower Compact, and it was all about this is we found this nation to be a Christian nation. In the Mayflower Compact, it says that to be a Christian nation. And now we're led by lies and deceit. I see mothers and fathers and grandparents and that are fear for their children, their grandchildren, because of human trafficking. Where nearly 27 million people are annually are taken in as, in as sex slaves and, and free, free labor. God knows what else happens to these poor kids. I see pornography running rampant in the... Everywhere. You drive down the highway, you see soft porn on the, on the billboards. You open up your Facebook, you, you, on your feed you see, you see pornography. It's filled our lives. It's filled so many people's hearts. It's everywhere. I see a world that is out of focus, a world that's all about me. I see that road. Every day I see that road of 150,000 people running toward that cliff. I did pass by a few churches in the neighborhood. Mr. G, Mr. Google says there's 352 churches in town. I don't know how accurate it is. I'm, I was thinking there was more. Because they're everywhere. You know what I didn't see? As I was driving these streets, I didn't see, other than myself, I didn't see anybody talking to anybody about Christ. I didn't see anybody knocking on the doors. I didn't see any tents on the corners preaching the gospel. I, I didn't see anybody on their soapbox telling all these people that their, their way is not the right way, that Jesus Christ is the only way. I didn't see that. I don't hear about that a lot. What I did see was churches. Yeah, some of the parking lots are full. Some of them not so much. I don't see people outside the church what I see is that the church has retreated. I see that the church has built these, these monuments unto themselves, great huge buildings, and packed it full. 
we've become stuck in four walls. We live out our faith within inside the four walls. We, we, count, we have endless programs to, to entertain us because it's all about me. We, this is a, a nasty trick that the, the enemy has bought in because pastors and, and teachers, it's hard, to, it's hard to minister the truth sometimes. We always minister the truth, but it's sometimes hard to call out sin and, because you know why? Because the second we do, out the door they go. Sometimes it's hard to say, this is perversion. It's, it's not right. you got to stop. you got to be set free. Because out the door they go. They, they, you go on TV and you watch these messages and it's all this feel-good stuff and make you feel good. But someone's got to have some compassion. They're heading that way by the, by the drove. They're heading that way. And someone has to have some compassion to stop them. Someone has to have some compassion as, as we're going that way to grab a hold of them and say, brother, that's not the right way. I know it seems right. I know it feels good. I, I know it's what you want. But it's not the right way. Someone has to set aside their agenda and take up God's agenda. Remember, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve, according to Mark 10, 41. God sent his only Son in John 3, 16. I looked up on Mr. G again, Mr. Google. I love Google. The meaning of compassion. There was a couple different meanings. So if you, if you Google compassion, you'll see the first one. But I took the second one. The meaning of compassion is to recognize the suffering of others and to take action to help. Compassion embodies the entangled expression of love for those who are suffering. Wow. That's a good example of compassion right there, right? Good explanation of it. I'm going to read you a story. I'm going to go through this story as quick as I can. I've... Again, got it off of Google, and I went and I studied out Adoniram and Ann Judson as much as I could, and I got this cut down as much as I could. When I originally started, it was going to take me an hour to read it. I got it cut down to 55 minutes. I'm going to read this. And no, it's not 55 minutes. And I'm going to skip years of their life. Adoniram, born August 9th, 1788 in Massachusetts. So this is a real-life example of compassion. His father was a minister. At the age of three, he was taught by his mother to read while his father was away for one week preaching. And when his father returned, Adoniram surprised him by reading an entire chapter of the Bible. At the age of three. By 16, he had entered, um, by 16, 13, 18, or four, he has already entered into college. His father sent him to Rhode Island College, Brown University, because Yale and Harvard were too liberal. At Brown University, he was at the very top of his class, and when he graduated in 1807, he was valedictorian, receiving the highest academic combinations. In college, he was caught up. It's a good thing he went to a a conservative college, not Harvard or Yale, but he was caught up in the world and up an atheist. Influenced by his upperclassman, Jacob Edmonds, and also, also an atheist, after college he embarked on what was confessed to be a 
rather reckless life, going in and out, just having as much fun as he wanted to. You know that all about me thing. Having as much fun as he wanted to, and he would get a room for the night and sneak out in the middle of the, in the, middle of the morning without paying for his expenses, just living a vagabond life. One evening, he stopped at an inn, and the innkeeper didn't want to give him a room or a bed, so they, they had beds that kind of slept in the same, same rooms at that time, divided by sheets and stuff, or blankets, or temporary walls, or whatever. I wasn't alive then. Not far from that, but not then. Anyways, the innkeeper didn't want to give him a room because the, the, the bed next to him, there was somebody that was super sick. And the innkeeper said, man, I can't. But Adam and I said, I just need a bed. I just need some sleep. So the innkeeper gave him the room. And all night long, he heard this, the, the cries of this man, his death cries, all night long. And then in the wee hours of the morning, the cries stopped. Adam and I got some little bit of sleep. He went down to the innkeeper when he woke up and said, is that man all right? He stopped crying in the, or stopped whining in the middle of the night. And the innkeeper said, no, he died. Who was it, Adonai said? It was Jacob Ebbins, his friend from college. At that moment, Adonai realized that the, he was going to hell, that he had died in his sins and he was, he was going to hell. It, it, it affected him deeply to the point that, that he went home. And on September 22nd, 1808, he gave his life to Jesus Christ with the help of his parents. Excuse me. Then he decided to go to seminary. His dad wanted him to be a pastor like him, a minister. But God had laid his hands on him for four missions. And Adam wrote this. How much real happiness we cheat our souls by preferring the trifle of God. We have a general intention of living a consecrated life but we intend to begin tomorrow or next year. For the present moment, we prefer living for our trinkets and say, a little more sleep, a little more slumber. Well, a little more sleep and we all sleep in the grave. A few more days, your work will be done. And once it's done, it'll be done for eternity. He entered Andover Theological Seminary on um, October 12, 1808. There on December 2nd, 1808, he gave a solemn dedication to himself to God. He simply asked, how shall I order my future being the best to please God? Adam Nyam's reckless life um, really haunted him. And so he went back to all the people that, that he owed debt to, and he paid them all off. And he, his mind was set toward missions. He knew that he couldn't do this alone. So... He needed to be married, so enter Anne Hasseltine, school teacher from Bradford, Massachusetts. Anne Hasseltine met Adonai. When he stayed at the father's house during the organizational meeting of the American Board of Commissioners of Foreign Missions, even though he had only known Anne a short time, he asked for her hand in marriage. Anne said, you're going to have to ask my father. Adonai composed an extraordinary letter to the father of the young woman he wanted to marry. He wrote as follows, Deacon Hasseltine, I have now to ask whether you will consent to part with your daughter early next spring, to see her no more in this world, whether you will consent to her departure for a heathen land, for subjection to the hardships of 
hardships and sufferings of a missionary's life, whether you will consent to the exposures and the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, perhaps a violent death. Can you consent to all this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for you and for her? For the sake of the perishing immortal, soul, immortal souls, for the sake of Zion for, and for the glory of God. How many of you would consent to that? Deacon Hasseltine said, yes. February 5th, 1812, Adam and I and Anne Hasseltine were united in marriage. The following day, February 6th, at the Tabernacle Church in Salem, five missionaries were ordained. At the laying on of hands, Anne slipped out of her pew and knelt beside the missionaries. Dr. Spring gave the charge. No enterprise comparable to this has ever been embraced by the American church. Adam Judson, Samuel Newell, Samuel Nott, Gordon Hall, and Luther Rice were all publicly set aside to carry to the poor heathen the good news of pardon, peace, and eternal life. The Judsons and Newells sailed um, from Salem on a bridge caravan. You've got to follow this timeline which left early in the morning on February 19, 1812. It was a one-way journey, never intended to return. Upon arrival in Calcutta, India, June 17, 1812, so here we go, it's going pretty quick. Um, they entered um, by Dr. William Carey. The East India Company did not permit them to stay in India. And they also painted a picture of Burma. This is where they were heading, Burma. It was bleak. So they thought I'm going to Java. The Judsons arrived in Port Louis on um, January 17, 1813. These are not very fast ships. On uh, May 7, 1813, the Judsons left Point, Point Lucis, Madrid, again due to the um, East Indies companies. They could not stay and left for Ragoon, a city um, Ragoon on June 22nd. During the voyage, Anne gave birth to her first child, which was born dead. We are comm um, we're commended ourselves to God. Burma would be the place where God would use them. Ragoon, a city in Burma, was dirty, bug-ridden, overgrown village of about 10,000 people at most. But at last, they had arrived at the destination Adonai had aimed for for years. He had the place of his dreams, the goal of his ambition. And quoted, a little while, we are in eternity. Before we find ourselves there, let us do much for Christ. Felix Carey had somewhat of a shelter in Ragoon, and the Judsons were able to move in with him and his Burmese wife. On September 19, 1813, Adoniam and Anne partook together of the sacraments of the Lord's Supper. The prayer of the Judsons was, God grant 
that we may live and die among the Burmese, though we may never do anything except for smooth the way for others. The Judsons went on learning the Burmese language and translating the Bible. The government of Burma threatened the missionaries with a death penalty, and the Burmese people resisted leaving their, their religion of Buddhism. Adonai's language teacher warned him that the Burmese would rather die in hell with their families than go to heaven alone. 1815, Anne gave birth to her son, Roger. He was the center of their attention. He brought no, new hope for, to Anne and Adoniam. This was their second child, Roger William Judson. He died eight months later. At the, well, yeah, he died eight months later. Now we jump ahead, May 9th, 1819. Six years, six years, Mong Nuo openly professed his allegiance to Jesus Christ, esteeming it a rare privilege to be the first convert among the Burmese people, even though he had nothing to expect in this world except for persecution and death. Six years before they got their first convert. There on a Sunday afternoon, after Mong Nu's baptism, the Lord's Supper was for the first time administered to by Mr. Judson in two languages, English and Burmese the event that had been the desire of his heart for six long years. A couple months later, a few more were baptized as well. On one occasion, the Judsons wrote Rice, that was another friend of his, one of the other missionaries' friends. If they ask what the prospect of ultimate success is, tell them there is as much as the Almighty and faithful God who will perform his promise and more. Over the years, the local viceroy in Ragoon had extremely difficult time, or made it extremely difficult for the Judsons, and on several occasions, um, Mr. Judson was, well, he, they were being forced to leave the country. Adonai said, I'm going to go to the capital in Ava and petition that we can propagate the, the gospel. Um, on two occasions, he made the long voyage up the Irwadi River to Ava, only to receive rejection of for his petition, but a favorable context were made. Eventually, he determined to move his mission to Ava, and in January 1824, he built a small house near the city and began his ministry and continued to translate the Old Testament. Due to the impending conflicts with Britain, um, they thought that the Judsons were spies. So Adonai was suddenly arrested and taken to the infamous Let Melee Long Prison, suffered death prison. This is where he is imprisoned. Most vile place you could ever go to. He suffered torture. They, they chained all the prisoners' feet together. And then at night, they would run bamboo through their feet, hang them upside down from the ceiling, only allowing their head and shoulders to, to lay on the ground. The only reason that, they, that he survived was because Anne continually brought him food. And... Um, continually made, he all, she also made intercession for him and, and asked for the authorities to get him released, but to no avail. On January 26, 1825, Anne gave birth to their daughter, Marie Elizabeth Butterworth Judson. It was almost 20 days later before Anne could recover enough to take, um, go see Adoniam. She had never was allowed to enter the prison, so she brought her little baby, little Miss Butterworth, over there to see her, her daddy. And Adonai looked up and crawled as close as he could. He was chained, 
crawled as close as he could so he could see his little girl. Anne was worried about the Bible, so they had been translating the Bible. Anne was worried about the Bible, so she sewed it into a pillow and took it to the prison where he was kept and, and begged for one of the prison guards to take it and let Adonai lay his head on it. And the prison guard agreed. He took the pillow over and Adonai and slept on that Bible every night to protect the word that he had been translating. Then one day... Um, Judson was quickly removed from the death prison and took to another prison um, some eight miles away. The pillow was, and the manuscript was thrown, thrown away as he was being taken from the, that prison. One of, the, one of Adonai's friends found that manuscript and buried it next to their house, thus preserving the Bible. The second prison, if anything, was more vile than the first. For a while, Adonai was kept in a cage that once housed a lion, not big enough to stand up in, not big enough to really stretch out and lie down in. He was kept there an additional eight months. But then peace talks were coming, and they needed an interpreter. And they came and got Adonaiam. They took him to be their interpreter. Adonaiam um, went and found Anne and the baby. They both were desperately ill. And through his tender care, he was able to improve their life, and then he returned to Ragoon. Adonaiam left Anne and the infant Maria in a more healthful location while he is summoned back to the British camp to interpret the ongoing neg negotiations with the Burmese. Anne died at the age of 37 at Amherst, a British settlement, on October 14, 1826. Adonaiam did not learn of her death until a month later. The infant Maria was cared for by some of the fellow missionaries, but also died six months later at the age of 27 and was buried next to her mother. I can keep on with this story. It's, it's an incredible story of these, of these missionaries. But in the spring of 1850, he took seriously ill. And it was felt that a long sea voyage might restore his health. He set sail on April 3rd, 1850, 18, or eight days until it was eight days and he died at sea. Upon his request, he was buried in the watery grave in the Bay of Bengal. In total, the Judsons worked in Burma for 38 years until his death at the age of 61. It was estimated that he helped lead 7,000 people to the Lord. And today, if you was to go to Burma, it is full of churches because of Adonaim. It was a Buddhist country, Buddhist city. But today, it is a Christian city because of one man's compassion. He gave his life, gave his life for those people. Another quote from the Jetsons. A short time, how boundless is eternity. It may be, con may be considered worthy to suffer for Jesus here. Will not enhance our happiness hereafter. Oh, pray for me. Spend whole evenings in prayer for those who go to carry the gospel to the poor heathen. How beautiful, beautiful of them that preach the gospel. How beautiful. Anne said this in one of her many quotes. Shall we sit down in indulgence and ease? Indulge in all the luxuries with which we are surrounded? and which our country so bountifully affords, and leave the beings like these, flesh and blood, intelligent and feeling, 
like ourselves, of our own sex, to perish, to sink into eternal misery. No, by the tender, by the tender feelings of which the female mind is susceptible, by all the privileges and blessings resulting from the cultivation and expanse of the human mind, by our duty to God, by our fellow creatures, and by the blood and groans of him who died on Calvary, let us make a united effort. Let us call on him, young and old, in our circle of influence, to join us in attempting to moderate the situation, to instruct, to enlighten, and to save the females of the Eastern world. Wow, great quote. I'm not telling you to cross the seas because you don't have to cross the seas to be a missionary. There's a mission field right outside these doors, a beautiful mission field full of beautiful people. You do not have to cross the seas. All you have to do is see the cross. Once you see the cross of Jesus Christ, it's going to compel us to get out there to save those people that are heading the wrong way. I found a cure. It's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. Now, I said I love magic, and the, it was the greatest trick of all, but really, it's not a trick. Excuse me just a second. Now, this is probably a trick that everybody's seen. Just like that rope down there. Again, it's not mine, but I'll call it mine. So this is you, nice and clean. But through time, this is sin. Sin enters our life, and we become filthy, not as clean as what we once were. Maybe we've told a little lie, maybe we stolen something, done something wrong. I don't know. But thank God for Jesus. Amen. Jesus never sinned. The fact is, he took the sins of the world upon himself. And yet, he never took those sins. He never Sin never affected him. He took him to hell. Three days later, he rose again. Three days later, he rose again. And because he rose again, if we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we become clean. It's because of Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ. Maybe you're, you're full of sin. Maybe, you, maybe you're just full. Tired of this world. Tired of living that way. I want you to know that Jesus Christ can set you free from this morning. He can set you free from pornography. He can set you free from this world. He can set you free from wanting more and desiring more. More, more, more. We are consumed with more. But Jesus can set you free and give, truly give you that abundant life. It's up to you. So this week, and I, I, 
I love to, to get out and knock on doors. I, I love to, to witness this week. And I know it's hard for a lot of people, and I think it's hard for a lot of people because they don't know how to. They've never really done it. No one ever taught them. So this week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And I know that ladies means Wednesday night. So women, you go to women's meeting. But we're either going to be here in the sanctuary or upstairs. We're going to be here someplace. And I want to show you guys some very effective ways to witness. One is using gospel tracks. I have a keyword. I got a bunch of different tracks. And I want to, I want to spend some time showing and teaching you guys how to, how to minister effectively. I have one shirt left. I have a keyword. Does anybody want this shirt? So here's the, here's the thing. Here's the real thing. I could have held that shirt all day long. I said, here's the shirt. Someone come get it. Someone come get it. But until you come get it, it's not yours. It's the same thing with Jesus. God is here and saying, here, here's my son Jesus. He took the sin of the world. He took it for you to set you free. Here he is. Here he is. Come and get to die in their sin. Here he is. But it's up to you to reach out and take him. He's not going to force Jesus on you. It's your, it's you, you have a, a will. You can, there's a way that seems right. You can choose a different way. But it's not going to get you to heaven. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes unto the Father but by him. And here he is. If you want him this morning... You can have it. Let's go ahead and stand this morning. Oh, sorry, I forgot. <laughs> Here he is. Maybe you don't know Jesus this morning. If you want to reach out and take him, just lift up your hand with me and just say, I need Jesus this morning. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else this morning? Anybody not sure of their salvation? Okay. Okay. Anybody need prayer this morning? If you need prayer, if your walk's a little shaky, maybe. Maybe you're a little bit nervous about ministering, but you know you need to. A little nervous about knocking on someone's doors, but you know you need to. I want you to come up here in front. If you raise your hand for salvation, I want you to come up here in front. I want to pray with you this morning. Can we get the prayer team up here also to pray? If you're not sure of your salvation... Come forward, please, and pray. Bold as a lion. Lucy, can you go over here and pray? Thank you. Okay. Father, I thank you this morning. Father, I thank you for your word, Father. Father, I'm asking God that as 
we go through this week, Father, that you would stir in the hearts of the people, Father. Father, we have a, a great event coming up this weekend, Father. Brother Phil, Father, has just poured his heart and soul into organizing an event, Father. I'm asking God that, that you would bless him for his efforts, Father. And Father, use him this weekend, Father, to, to keep this thing going and organized for you, Father, that many would come to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And Father, I thank you for your word today, Father. I thank you, Lord God, for each one that was here this morning, Father. I ask, God, that it stirs in their heart, Father, that, that we need to be on the front lines fighting for you, Father. You can easily do so by visiting our website, PursuitCC.com. Also, follow us on all social media outlets by using at PursuitCC. Thank you, and God bless.